This is Dr. Jay Corsandi, and you're listening to The Best Night Ever, the show that's dedicated to helping you get your best night's sleep. Over the last 20 years of treating patients, I've worn many hats, including dentist, engineer, psychologist, artist, corporate executive, and more. I found that the key to success, health, and longevity lies in sleep, and that's why I created this show. I want to teach you how to make sleep your best friend. Join me on a journey to uncover cutting-edge science, life-changing tips from renowned experts, ancient and modern sleep secrets, game-changing routines, and lifestyle hacks that will educate, inspire, and ultimately help you get the best night ever. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. And at the time of this recording, we are still under government lockdown. It's about two and a half weeks in. And I want to provide more shows and content focused on health, well-being, immunity, virus updates. So with that said, I have a colleague of mine on the show. Her name is Dr. Petra Dorfsman. She's here in the Los Angeles area as well. She's a leading pioneer in the world of healthcare, functional medicine, chronic illness therapies, and something called deuterium depletion. And don't worry, we're going to get way into that subject in the middle of the show. And I have her on the show because she's a wealth of knowledge in terms of what we can do to get healthy, stay healthy, boost the immune system, sleep better. She's a naturopathic doctor with a focus on functional medicine. And you're going to want to listen to what she has to say about these following things. We are going to get her take on the latest on the COVID-19 coronavirus update and what her thoughts are in terms of the actual numbers of cases. We're going to talk about chronic health issues and the root causes of why so many people are so sick. We're going to talk about deuterium depletion, what that means, why it's important, and how you can actually do it on yourself for free. And we are also going to be talking about my favorite subject, which is sleep and sleep hacks and how we can get a great night's sleep. Again, a lot of these tips, if not all of them, are free, easily accessible. You don't need fancy gadgets or technologies or even supplements or IVs or injections or anything. Just some very simple, basic stuff that will help you stay safe, be healthy, be vibrant, sleep better, and ride through this storm and end up stronger on the other side. And with that said, on to the show. Okay, we are live. Petra, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. It's my pleasure. So you do a lot of things, and I've had the pleasure of working with you. We've had mutual patients in common, but for those people who are listening, can you give them a little background of the things that you're focused on in your day-to-day practice? Yeah, I would love to. I'm a naturopathic doctor. I went to Bastyr University, and that's a full-on medical program that specializes in natural medicine. I also simultaneously did the IFM program, the certification program. So I did all of the modules for them and was certified. And I'm also certified in nutrition. And so I initially started working with just bioidentical hormones, have since added many other interests of mine that have developed in a really great direction in an area of what's called deutonomics, which is the science of how water moves in our bodies. And it all has to do with deuterium. And we can get into that if you like, and we can cover the basics, but it's a very significant foundational piece of health. And 
I believe correcting deuterium levels in your body are something we should always start out with first. Okay. So yeah, anyway, we'll get into those pieces. But so I primarily see patients that are dealing with chronic issues that have been frustrated because they're not able to find answers. And we work as a team and try to figure out how best to get to the bottom of the underlying issues. Okay. So you mentioned IFM. Is that the Institute of Functional Medicine? Yep. Okay. So for people who are listening who don't know what the word functional medicine is or means, can you explain that? Yeah. It's basically a systems-based approach on health that looks at the underlying causes. I mean, to me, it's very much naturopathic medicine. It's very much trying to figure out the underlying reasons for why someone got sick and doing this very in a systematic approach, which is what I love about IFM. They've really given shape and structure to going about this in a very logical way. So that's wonderful. Yeah, it's interesting because I had a whole challenge of health issues four or five years ago and I went to traditional allopathic doctors and they weren't able to get to the root cause, like you said, until I finally started going down the functional medicine route and digging deeper into what was causing my issues. And fortunately, we figured it out and things have been great since then. So we'll we'll talk about some of the deuterium stuff as well too. I guess the the biggest thing, I guess the hottest topic or one of the reasons we're able to record this today is because you and I generally have busy schedules and either fortunately or unfortunately, the (laughs) shutdown here in, in LA opened up some time for us to connect. I think we're about two and a half weeks into this whole COVID-19 shutdown. What are your thoughts on this, the situation? I have many thoughts and they keep changing really on a daily basis. It's become quite clear that the numbers that are being reported to us are inaccurate. And there's many reasons for that. I've posted some of those on my Facebook page the other day, but it's clear that the issues are numerous from the starting point of the kits, the testing kits themselves. And what we just found out, in fact, is that some of those kits that are being sent to the different countries are contaminated, meaning they actually contain primer. And so any tests that will be done on someone will be positive, which is a huge issue. And Mm. we can speculate about how that's possible. I will leave that to some much brighter people and better investigators, but that's a very significant piece of this puzzle. I also think that the fact that the Royal Imperial College in London, Neil Ferguson, readjusted his predictions in the last week from 500,000 fatalities to 20,000 just in a matter of weeks. The numbers, the models, they're all wrong, and it's significant because we're all watching the economy collapse. And as you know, this morning, the new unemployment numbers came out and there were another 6 million added to over 10 million now. And the economic devastation is going to be huge. And I think once we understand what's actually truly happening, it will cause an uproar, I think. Yeah, I think the economic devastation is huge. Also the psychological devastation. I know a lot of people are suffering with this, you know, being at home, being locked down, if they're going to get groceries. I know when I went, you know, it's a different landscape. It's almost like a war zone with with tape on the floor and social distancing and masks and gloves and fear mentality. It's it's 
very uncomfortable for a lot of people. It is. And a lot of it is because there's so much misinformation out there. And in fact, today, a German virologist came out that he and his team had gone to homes of people that have been known positive cases and they swabbed and tested all of the surfaces in the house, doorknobs, you know, you name it, countertops and even pets. And they found that, yes, indeed, they could find fragments of the viruses, but when they tried to culture, none of them hmm. cultured. So they were all dead fragments. So the surfaces are not an issue. So we can all calm down about, you know, wiping down literally every single thing with disinfectants. Yeah. So if there's a lot of misinformation out there, what do you think is some good information or what can people do to help deal with this? I mean, number one would be turning off mainstream media because that just seems to be all about fear-mongering. I think the second is to realize that our bodies are always going to do everything they can to correct themselves and self-heal. And I think if you know that if you give it the right nutrients, if you give it the right light, if you give it the right sleep and rest and laugh and, and love, all of those pieces are so crucial to staying sane. And that's what I want people to focus on because we actually have a lot of control. And it, this draconian measures make it seem we have no control, but we do. We really do. And we need to trust in our bodies and in the innate universal ability of our bodies to try and heal. That's what they want to do. Yeah. And, you know, the, the numbers, again, of the infectious rates, the transmission rates, the casualties, the cases, they're all inaccurate. So do you think they're blown out of proportion, like they're higher than the reality yes. could be? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, they have to sell news, so they got to blow things up. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of it. Not only news, I think there's possibly a whole other motivation happening. Yeah. And that's just, you know, something that we should all just keep our eyes open and watch yeah. what's next. So it's okay. I also agree with you as far as the human body being resilient and keeping it healthy and strong. A lot of people are talking about different supplements and routines and with this chloroquine and all these different things. What would you say are some things that we could do on a day-to-day -day or, or take? You know, I know a lot of people are talking about high-dose vitamin C, all these different things. What's your thoughts on those? So I like to start with the things that we have easy access to. As you know, most things are sold out everywhere because people have been just, hoarding them. Yes. yes, hoarding them. And I also, again, I want, to, want people to understand this is, we don't need necessarily outside things of the normal access we have. So if we focus on eating foods that are nutritious for us that are low in deuterium and that means eat fats and natural fats and not sugars and leave alone the carbs and i'm going to just go into that because if you look at the data that's currently being released on the persons most affected by by this covid virus the SARS 2 covid 19 are those that have the underlying metabolic issues and primarily diabetes is a huge one. Hmm. The second most prevalent one is obesity. So if you go, for instance, to infectious disease specialist Stephen Smith in New Jersey, who runs the large or one of the largest infectious ICUs in the country, he found that 95% of the cases, the COVID cases, had either diabetes or prediabetes. That's huge. The death rate in Alabama is twice the rate of that in New York City. And yeah. so is, of course, their diabetes, 
their obesity and their hypertension. Yep. So, so those go along the same line. So if we maintain natural practices to stay healthy and eat foods that are low in carbohydrates and rich in natural fats, you know, the best quality animal proteins you can find, lots of green vegetables, you know, those are key. Try to drink filtered water if you can. And then the light, make sure you go outside, have some sunlight, sensible sun exposure. I'm not advocating burning, but just be out there and, and soak it up so you can produce your own vitamin D. You don't need to get it from a bottle. You know, and the truth is vitamin C is actually very high in certain animal tissues, including, including liver and oval. So we can get it from there and it's not destroyed by heat like it is in vegetables. So there is a lot we can do if we just maintain those practices. Okay. So I don't need to go get 10 pass ozone treatments and glutathione pushes, I could just go out and get some sun and eat some nutrient-dense foods. Yeah, yeah, because that's accessible to all of us and, yeah. and that should keep us healthy. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned a good segue into the next thing, which is you know type 2 diabetes, hypertension, all these chronic health issues. You see a lot of those patients that have lived a long lifestyle of a poor lifestyle maybe or bad choices. Yeah. Why do you think they get to that situation is it is it genetics is it lifestyle is it mixed is it you know what's causing these people to get sick i think very little of it is genetics actually i think the majority is indeed lifestyle in our environment it's a combination of factors right so we've we've pretty much moved in towards an indoors lifestyle all of us have jobs inside all of us are glued to these computers and these screens we are under blue light or, you know, at least not sunlight direct. We, again, the Wi-Fi piece is, is huge, as you well know. And I think then the foods have changed. So their large share of most of the foods that are available to everyone are genetically modified. They contain certain substances that chelate others out of us. It acts like a natural antibiotic. It puts you at a disadvantage to try and maintain good health. And so these pieces all taken together is got us where we are today. And this, of course, all adds up to mitochondrial dysfunction. And, and as you probably know also, between 80 to 95% of all chronic issues we see, including cancer, including cardiovascular disease, diabetes, autoimmune disease, neurocognitive decline, all of them having common mitochondrial dysfunction. And a huge part in that is the deuterium levels that are slowly rising in tissues and causing this dysfunction. And, and that's a huge piece of it. All right. We're going to get to that yeah. D word very soon. Yeah. Here. I'm excited. Okay. And I think I, you know, I agree with you as far as the genetic component. A lot of people, they come to see me as patients and they go, oh, I snore. I have sleep apnea. It's genetic. My family, it runs in my family. And then they say, oh, by the way, I'm also 300 pounds and my parents were overweight. Well, right. do you think there's maybe a connection there? To the food. Uh, to food, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm a big fan of the whole epigenetics, you know, this whole biohacking movement that we talk about where you can control the expression of genes, what good or bad, based on your lifestyle decisions. So I do a lot of the things like you mentioned to avoid going down that road of, of chronic illness. And I'm sure you do as well because we see that in our patients, what kind yeah. of destruction it does both for them and their families. Yeah. So we, we don't want to go down cancer or neurocognitive decline, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So 
We've thrown this word out a few times. I'm very excited because this is one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show. This is something that I don't know a lot about, and I'm very excited to learn more about it. This is deuterium and a deuterium protocol, deutonomics, I think you've called it as well. Yeah. Can you explain, I guess, what this word is, what it means, why it's important, and, yeah. and even that why we, people say deuterium depletion, you know, I want people to understand what that is. Great. Let's do it. So water is H2O. It's mm -hmm. two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. There is a naturally occurring different form of a hydrogen atom, and that is called deuterium. It's always been present on Earth. The only difference is that as we've advanced in, in time, the concentration of how many deuterium atoms are in one given amount of liquid has increased. Now, our bodies evolved when the approximate tissue level, and in, actually the, in the water level, was 130 parts per million, meaning 130 hydrogens were a deuterium atom in a given amount, so in, in a million. So that is now approximately in most water that we consume, 150. That's too high for us. So our bodies likes it under 130. We have naturally physiological processes that deplete deuterium in excess levels present in our body from us. So we would do that through our stool and our urine. But if we get so much deuterium in us, we can't keep up and the levels start to rise. Once those levels start to rise, this interferes with how mitochondria function. It interferes with the TCA cycle. And somehow the deuterium atoms get themselves into the mitochondria and they try to get back out through the oxidative phosphorylation. And so this happens through the complex five. There's five complexes, five proteins in the mitochondrial membrane embedded. And that all of those are very important steps for us to not only produce our own metabolic water, we produce heat and we produce, of course, ATP. And that happens through these hydrogens, protons exiting the mitochondrial membrane through the complex five is crucial. And if there are deuterium stuck in the mitochondria, they actually break the nanomotors that are sending those out and they get stuck. You can think of it as a department store has the rotating doors, but if someone that is too large gets in there or too many people at once in that situation, it gets stuck. The door will not roll anymore. And so you destroy the nanomotors of your mitochondria and you shut them down and you lose them. And so this is how mitochondrial dysfunction starts to show. And this is detrimental to our okay. energy production. So basically it's not good for you. And we tend, do we accumulate, is this something we accumulate over a lifetime? Yeah. Is it more as we're adults? Is it something like heavy metals with eating a lot of fish? And can yeah, you test for it? Is it a blood test? So we accumulate it and at different levels, depending on how well we're able to excrete it. So if we don't live a lifestyle that includes, you know, breathing well, eating the right foods, sleeping, because during the night is when we go into ketosis and it's when we actually are able to breathe out some of these extra deuterium atoms. It's when we eat foods that are very high in deuterium. So all processed foods, fruits, grains, that's how they start to accumulate. Wait, so it. fruits like 
processed fruits or non-organic fruits or GMO fruits or any fruits or All grains? Fruits. All fruits. So, so even if it's an organic, healthy mango, it's still... Yeah, it's a growth factor. Is it, it universally, is it everywhere or is it, yeah. are there certain things you can eat that you know won't have it? Everything contains deuterium, okay. but there are certain foods that which, are low. Which ones are, the, which ones are the worst and which ones are the best? Okay, so the lowest foods in deuterium are fats. Okay, but healthy fats. Healthy fats, animal fats. So olive oil would be one of them. Avocado would be the, nat the natural or the, the plant-based ones. Mm. But it's truly lard and butters and bacon and um, yeah. the fatty acids in fish. And all of those are very low in deuterium. Okay. So, and then the next, next group of foods is the, the naturally raised animal proteins. Proteins, uh-huh. Yeah. So, okay. so that's the next level because they deuterium deplete for us. And then you have the green vegetables, which through photosynthesis are also deuterium depleted. Mm -hmm. And fruits by nature are created by plants to propagate their seeds so that they can drop somewhere. And so they contain higher levels, they contain the growth factor. So for instance, if you take the coconut, right, the fat of the coconut is actually very low in deuterium, but the water is actually very high. Wow. So all of the people drinking- the, All these coconut box waters. Yeah. So that's actually not advisable. So, so those are the foods that you can think of. And then if you talk about foods that are not great for you, so fruits, grains, and then all of the processed foods and the yeah. GMO foods, they are, you know. So that's the spectrum of foods. Okay. So that's yeah. why for me personally, when I started doing more ketogenic diets, I felt so much better is because I was benefiting from this, this protocol, maybe indirectly. Yeah, so that is indeed believed to be, of course, the most important aspect of why the ketogenic diet is successful. Ah. It leads to tearing. Okay, so yeah. let's say we have, you see a patient that's sick. Are you able to do, a, is there a blood test to measure the deuterium levels or how do you measure it? No, we don't test blood. The best way to test it is to do a dual test. It's breath as well as either urine or saliva. Mm -hmm. It's best to have both because then you can tell between the two how well you're able to excrete, actually. Ah. So that's the best way to go. The testing is still in its infancy stages. There's currently one place that does both. It's the center of deuterium depletion. But I think eventually we will have a better and more easily obtainable test available for everyone to use. So how would you know if your levels are high? Is it just, does it manifest in chronic conditions or does it have its own signs or symptoms? I think any form of metabolic disease, you can count on somebody having elevated levels. Okay. But I have also measured younger individuals with a range of different health concerns and I found high levels in them as well. So it, it varies. It varies. Okay. Yep. And you could have high levels, but if you have a strong way to get rid of them, are you less susceptible like if yeah. you have yeah yeah exactly okay. so yeah and so then that goes to the whole deuterium depletion so when i first heard that i i didn't quite understand what that means but the way let's say we you see a patient who has high levels and they're sick and you're concerned and you prescribe up this depletion protocol what does that mean does that mean 
drinking. Tell me about this water or the protocol. Yeah. So ideally we would do this simply with food and lifestyle, right? Because that's also something that you can maintain. Now, if somebody presents with, for instance, in cancer diagnosis, deuterium depleted water is truly essential for someone to start with because you can immediately and drastically drop deuterium levels in your tissues. And this is water that has through, go ahead, did you want to ask? No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. continue. So the water has gone through a very specific distillation process that has been repeated over and over under a specific temperature, under a certain pressure that allows for the excess deuterium to come out. And so the water that's left is lower in deuterium. So, so like I said, most water in the currents, you know, faucets, when we open them up, and even if you do reverse osmosis, you may retain the exact same amount, is about 150 parts per million. There's mm-hmm. certain spring waters that are around 140 ppm, some of them coming from Canada, some of them coming from in the middle of the country. Those waters tend to be a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. So, so what's a good therapeutic level? Like if you're drinking this water, what is it at? So I generally, and this depends very much on the patient, on their goals, of course, but Mm -hmm. it would probably be around 105. 105. So, and when you're drinking this water, is it binding to the deuterium and then you're excreting it or how is it lowering the levels? Because just because it has low levels doesn't mean it's getting rid of low level or high levels. No, that's right. So actually that water gets into the cytoplasm of the cells and it lowers the level of deuterium in that. And once we go through, for instance, glycolysis is a process and as is the TCA cycle where hydrogens are being replaced on sugars and on substances that we use to break down. And if the number of deuterium atoms is lower in the cytoplasm for glycolysis in specific, there's a couple of steps that this happens they get replaced with hydrogens and not deuterium atoms. And that prevents the deuterium getting into the, into the mitochondria. That's the key to it. It's, it comes down to biochemistry. <laughs> okay. Um, so that, that's truly how it works. And of course, you're also not giving yourself any more. So that allows your tissue levels to come down. And this is something that happens over hours, days, weeks, months? It happens days and weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of the best way, the way to approach it is to do it very evenly throughout the day. I know that some people drink just in one sitting a very low PPM. That's not, not what you should do. It's not beneficial to, main, yeah, to go gradual and maintain that level for a period of time. That's the key to it. Ah, and like and you said, obviously, if you can do it with diet and lifestyle first, that's better because this water, I've done some research, is not the cheapest thing out there. No, I mean, because it's only produced in other continents and there's very little of it and it's very expensive to ship, right? So that's the biggest problem with it. Eventually, again, this is all so much in the early stages, this will change and there will be a plant that will produce the water right here in the United States. So speaking of water production, here's a couple of facts that you can tell me if there's true or false. I heard that in Antarctica and in, in icebergs, the water is, is deuterium depleted. I don't know if yeah. you've heard of that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also heard when we're in sleep, which is something I'm obviously interested in, yeah. uh, we produce deuterium depleted water during REM sleep. I heard that as well. 
we produce deuterium depleted water the entire day. So ah. that's, that's what happens in mitochondria. That's one, probably the most important function of mitochondria is they produce metabolic water that's deuterium depleted, that bathes all of our tissues, that enhances communication and transmission of cellular processes and energy all that's what it's for. Yeah. Okay. And I've done a podcast on exclusion zone water. How is this different than that? It's basically, we're talking about a very similar type of water. Yeah. yeah. So this yeah. is kind of like an intracellular water, different than stuff we would see, you know, in a lake or in a stream or, you know, in a bottle, I guess. You know, we recycle and produce almost seven, I think it's 7,000 liters a day. Wow. Um, which is the same amount of blood on average that our hearts pump in a 24-hour period. Wow. And our kidneys filter all of that. And we produce, therefore, a filtrate in our kidneys that's also deuterium depleted. So and are the kidneys more at risk if we're high levels of deuterium because they're, they're going to take the hit? It's in all of our tissues evenly, and it would get filtered out and sent into the urine. Or So uh -huh. that, that's okay. What I think is a bigger piece to this is that we should not drink huge amounts of outside water, that we should try and retain our own metabolic water and upregulate that metabolic water production. Wow. Yeah. So for people listening, I didn't know that we're water-producing factories. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are our own Dasanis, I guess. <laughs> yes, yeah, better quality than that. But much better quality. Yeah. And, and the quality gets better the more you're conscious of what you're eating, like you said, a very more you know, fat-dense, nutrient-dense protein and you know, vegetables versus carbs, sugar, processed foods, and fruits. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I paid attention. Yeah, no, you got it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Okay, so that's deuterium depletion. And yeah. now I know a little bit more. So thank you for helping with that. You're welcome. Okay, let's go on to another subject here. And then you mentioned it briefly as well, too, in terms of lifestyle. The three things that I always tell patients are the pillars of health is one is nutrition, mm -hmm. which we've talked a little bit about. One is movement. We could talk a little bit about that. I mean, if you have any practices or, or suggestions or recommendations, I always tell people at least, you know, get outside during lunch, walk 20, 30 minutes, get some sun exposure. I personally have a yoga practice I do most of the days as well. Anything else that you recommend? Being outside in nature is, is for me also one of the most important pieces to this. And yes, it's for the light exposure, but it's also just to move in a sensible way and to just kind of connect to what the world and what our beautiful planet is about. So yeah, I think those pieces are very important. And besides movement, I think that's very much up to each individual. You have to like it because otherwise yeah. you won't do it. You know, yeah. um, I think some strength training can be very, very beneficial for all of us. And that doesn't have to be endless and it doesn't have to be in a gym and you can do it outside and you can just have your little weights and do your push-ups and things like that. It could be very simple. Very simple. Um, but something that gives you pleasure and it makes you feel strong, I think that's really key. And it what could be you, dance, you know, whatever. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. I've seen your posts on, on Facebook and social media with the whole shut down of the trails here in Southern California and hiking and stuff like that. It's so silly right now. Yeah. But okay, let's, we were going to talk about, oh, one other question I have is, is earthing or grounding? Are, are you familiar with that? Do you recommend course, that? Yeah. yeah, I think that that's great for anybody to get their bare feet onto the ground for a few minutes a day. It's so beneficial. So yes, absolutely. And we have the access to, we're both in the LA area to like Santa Monica beach. If you can get out ocean negative ions, that that's a, even that's better. A, yeah. Even better. 
although yeah. they're shut down right now too as well. They're so shut it, down. <laughs> this is challenging, you know, for, that's why I think everybody's trying to figure out what to do. And it's tough because resources are, are much different right now. They're very well. different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the two first two pillars, you know, a little bit of nutrition, a little bit movement. My favorite is sleep. Yeah. So, and, and this is something I think you see in your patients as well, especially the ones with chronic mm-hmm. uh, issues is they've been chronically deprived of sleep or it's kind of like the chicken or the egg. Did their poor sleep get them sicker or did their illnesses and diseases make their sleep worse? But either way, what would you say or recommend in terms of sleep? Well, the first place I always like to start is to make sure that your room is entirely dark and completely devoid of light, even little lights that are just, you know, on almost every gadget that we own or something. Turn it all off or take it out of your room. That's a really big one. I think it's important that we sleep under natural fibers, fabrics, whatever that is that you can stand, but no synthetics, that you sleep as naked as you're comfortable with because I think it's really important that your body you know, keeps you warm. Within minutes, you produce enough heat to keep yourself warm. And that is even burning calories as you sleep. And it's just a very natural way and state to be. I think it's important that if you have trouble falling asleep, that you use some, you know, beautiful guided meditations to get into that state. And these are really my biggest pieces. I like fresh air too. I think that's important. If you can sleep with a window open so that you have circulating fresh air and, you know, for everyone that's a little bit different, but that those are big. And then ideally you would shut off your router, your Wi-Fi in the house, unplug it if you can, if your security system is not on it then that would be a great place to just sort of, at least when you sleep, reduce the incoming amount of accumulating Wi-Fi that we're all exposed to. Yeah, that's a big one. EMFs. I've done a number of shows about that. I have mine on a timer. It just shuts off bedtime, which is kind of a nice thing too, because then I see my phone change from the little Wi-Fi signal to the, the data and I'm not on an unlimited plan. So it's, oh, it's basically time to stop. <laughs> So it's a hard stop, which is great. And then I know it's off. And then I put my phone on airplane mode as well, too. Those are good tips. Any supplements that you recommend? I mean, I shouldn't be taking 10 milligrams of melatonin every night, right? (laughs) I think not to start with. I really, again, I I am a true naturopathic doctor in that sense. If we should try and not need anything on a daily basis. Yeah. If you need something for a short period of time, sure, let's get you there until we reestablish all of the foundations for health, but possibly no. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of people, they reach out to me on my Instagram, the sleep biohacker, which is where I do all this crazy stuff for sleep. And they say, what supplement should I take? Or, you know, what gadget should I play with? And, and they're always eager to want to take something. Yeah. And I always say, you know, you don't want to be starting to rely on exogenous things. That's you want to have your body produce it and fall asleep naturally as easily as possible. And I think the best way to get a good night's sleep starts that morning you wake up, like all the things we talked about. Right. So one of the crucial pieces of that is, of course, getting sunlight before mm-hmm. 9 a.m. into your eyes. And you've heard those stories. And, and we know that that light stimulus that you get early in the morning will actually cause you to release the melatonin at night so that you sleep deeply. Mm-hmm. And, so, and of course, melatonin has many other antioxidant functions and mitochondrial functions as well. So 
it's crucial. And that's how I would prefer you get your melatonin. You know? Yes, I, I do that every day. I try to catch yeah. the sunrise or early morning sun as much as possible, especially these days. Yeah. I think people listening here, they're probably at home right now because yeah. everybody's on shutdown. But one of the things you could do if you can get up early enough is, is catch a sunrise. I go outside, I have a little patch of grass, I have a chair. I take, you know, I'm wearing just like maybe shorts and I'll just sit down and expose as much as possible, get my feet on the grass. I've actually done some videos on my Instagram with a voltmeter and I've showed how body voltage goes down when you actually step on the earth. So it's it's really, really cool. And then that's the way to get the day started. I've been doing a lot of more meditation practices as well too, which helps kind of set the tone for the day. Because if we wake up in a very sympathetic state of uh, checking texts and messages and emails and, and social media posts about the end of the world, then your whole day is going to be kind of geared towards that and you've burned through all your cortisol and it's just a big mess. So yeah. if we can start out on the right foot, we'll do great. When it comes to you, do you have like any specific sleep routine or, or nighttime wind down practice other than that? Or just get off the phone? And get watch light. Do you, have, you know we have blue light blocking glasses and and different things like that. Anything else you like to do? Warm I just, bath. I don't know. I'm not a warm bath person. Okay. <laughs> I love just either reading or relaxing. And that's okay, my main. It's the wind down hours. Yeah. 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 Okay. What you know, patients come to see you that they're chronically sick. Based off of all the years that you've been doing this, what would you be? What would you say are like the top three things you would recommend for someone so they don't end up in your office? So, <laughs> consuming a low carbohydrate as natural possible diet as as if you can, and work with someone if if problems do arise, work with someone that will support you in what you're trying to achieve. That's the other part. But I think all of the things we just talked about you know, optimizing sleep, your light, you know, being mindful of Wi-Fi as much as we can, because it's nearly impossible to avoid it, of course. Those are key, drinking as clean water as you can, all of that. So at the least for water, I've got my bottle of water here. It's, 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 it's not deuterium depleted, it's a reverse osmosis. But for people out there who are drinking less than ideal water, what would you say? What at the least, what could they do? Just get a, is there a good filter they could get or reverse osmosis or? Yeah. So, so to me, the most important choices you can make is either drinking reverse osmosis water. And there is a really good countertop one that's called the Aqua True. That's, that's what I have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's excellent. Or you, you use a very good quality spring water and that I love as well. And there's different companies that are delivering that now to your door in glass bottles. It's heavy. It's a schlep. I get it, but it's still worth it. And it's to me that it would be ideal, but it's, it's crucial to avoid all of the tap water that's out there. Avoid um, the tap and, water and then plastic bottle water. Not so good. You know, there is no data or guidelines or rules about what the quality of water should be in any bottle company. So you need to call any company that you're dealing with and purchasing water from and get an analysis and look at it. Just look at it and compare it to other companies that are available and make sure that you that it's done by a third company, that every single part of water is listed, and then you make your decision. You know, but there is no rules for bottled water. <laughs> okay. And this, this one is kind of a personal question. Obviously I was trained as a dentist and the word fluoride brings up a, a whole bunch of mixed yeah. emotions for me. Currently I, I, you know, obviously I'm using filters that get rid of it. I don't have it with my kids' toothpaste anymore. What are your thoughts on, on fluoride? 
Yeah, it's a neurotoxin. We know it. Most of the world knows it. They've removed it in the 1980s from drinking water all over the world, pretty much. I think there's two countries left. The United States is one of them. We know that fluoride competes with iodine to bind to thyroid receptors. In fact, the, the speed at which it can bind faster is about a thousand times faster. And so there's an epidemic of people that have low functioning thyroid and fluoride to me is a big key. And, you know, even if we make the choices to filter our water at home, if you purchase any drink or any food that's made outside of the home, there is no filtration. There's not. So you're getting it in. You're getting massive amounts of it. So to me, whatever you can do to reduce that is is key. Absolutely. Good, good. So I'm, I'm happy about that decision. And it's funny, you mentioned the, the drinks outside too. I had a podcast with air filtration company and they make units that are UV units for soda machines because he said, if you go to restaurants, they never clean out those pipes yeah. and filters. And then you actually have mold exposure on top yep. of the fluoride. Yeah, so it's like this whole... yeah. The spouts, the, the sprays that they use. Yeah. yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Ugh. So, yeah. all right. I think that's about all the stuff I wanted to go over with you for this show. I'd love to do another one later down the road. We can go deeper down rabbit holes of all kinds of other stuff. But if people want to learn more about you or what you're doing, where, where could they go? Yeah, I have my website. It's called drdrpetrad.com d-r-p-e-t-r-a-d.com and I see patients currently at Alicia Life Care in Santa Monica. Yes. So yeah, that's, that's you. I encourage people, if you are local in the LA or Santa Monica area, you should go see Dr. Petra. She's the best. I work with her. We share patients. And if you want to learn more about me, I'll have all that information at the end of the show as well too. So Petra, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a blast. I learned a ton. I hope people out there also will take notice and listen to some of the recommendations that you mentioned. They can make a big difference, especially now with everybody in this whole lockdown situation, trying to figure out what they're going to do, how they're going to remain sane and healthy and vibrant and functional. So thanks for joining me. I'll see you soon. Pleasure. Great. Thanks, Jay. Bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Well, well, here we are at the end of the show. Thanks for making it all the way through. And I know it got a little technical there with the deuterium stuff, but hopefully you got the basics out of that as well as picked up a couple of different nuggets and tips and tricks on ways you can optimize your life today, sleep better tonight, I know she's a wealth of information. So if you want to learn more about me and what I do, you can also follow me on my Instagram account. It's called Sleep Biohacker. That's where I have all these different things that we've talked about, including technologies and gadgets and supplements and stuff that I do throughout the day. And if you are in the local LA area and you want to see me in person, my practice is called Snore Experts, and that's where I focus on sleep disordered breathing. So that would be things like snoring and sleep apnea. If you could do me one huge favor, if you can go to wherever you get your podcasts and help me out with a little review, that would make things wonderful because that would help me get my message out to more people. So any quick review or share with a friend or two, especially during these times when they can use a little bit of uplifting and some positive information would be greatly appreciated. And Feel free to reach out to me if you have anything you want to hear about specifically on my Instagram at Sleep Biohacker. You can direct message me there very easily. And with that said, thanks again for listening. And I do wish you the best night ever. This broadcast is for informational purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this show are not medical advice. The show, including Dr. Jay Crisandi, the co-host, guest, and the producers disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of any information contained herein. 
opinions of the guests are their own. We do not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests, nor do we make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. If you think you have a medical problem, please consult a licensed physician.